Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. This is the Steelers Preview Show on WDVE Pittsburgh, presented by Unibet. The only thing better than a Steelers win is a Steelers win that pays. Double down on your team with Unibet, proud partner of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Here are your hosts, Mike Brzezuda, Matt Williamson, and Merrill Hodge. Good evening and welcome to another Thursday night edition of Steelers Preview right here on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE and SNR. Mike Pursuta and Matt Williamson with you tonight until 8 o'clock. We will be joined as always by Merrill Hodge for our middle segment, which, thanks to uh, Merrill's loquaciousness, usually becomes <laughs> a bulkier. An, an extended segment. Yeah, you know, yeah. the, the meat and potatoes are in the middle. We're giving <laughs> you the appetizer right now. And, uh, Matt, let's uh, cut right to the chase with what to expect. Brought to you by Brian Patton and Associates. It's all about the benefits. I'm going to take the low-hanging fruit on this one. Okay. Uh, the Steelers have won four in a row, five of seven, and eight of 11 in this series. John Harbaugh does have a 15-13 and 13 all-time record against Mike Tomlin. Mm-hmm. Uh, of those last four victories registered by the Steelers, all four have been achieved by five or fewer points. Yeah. So I expect Steelers-Ravens knockdown, drag out, low scoring, hit you in the mouth, and we'll see who's standing uh, at the end of the game. Yeah, and the way these teams are constructed right now, too. I mean, the Steelers have rededicated themselves to the run game. That's how the Ravens have played during the whole Lamar era, and now we know Lamar's not playing. His backup is a a similar version and an ideal backup. They don't have to change what they're doing. Oh, by the way, the Steelers' run defense is really good. The Ravens' run defense is really good. I mean, it might be first one to ten wins. Yeah, uh, and that uh, would fall right in line with what we usually see from these two teams. Let's uh, take a look at the participation reports Uh, the practice reports from today. Biggest news on the Pittsburgh end is probably that uh, Chris Boswell was activated from the – not activated from the reserve injured list, but he practiced and the clock started. They have 21 days to, in fact, activate him. Uh, Deontay Johnson did not practice today after being limited yesterday. He's dealing with a hip. Najee Harris limited after not working yesterday. Oblique. Malik Reed, full participant after not practicing yesterday. Back, uh, limited for – Chuck Wuma Akor for he didn't work yesterday. He's dealing with a shoulder. TJ Watt limited Wednesday, didn't work Thursday. Ribs and Larry Ogunjobi hasn't practiced yet. Toe some of these veteran guys. It's uh, late in the year. They so massage them yeah. through and uh, probably the same thing uh, at play in Baltimore. Although real quick before you do, uh, does the Deontay thing scare you at all? I mean, he's the only one that I thought's a little alarming on the list. I'm going to throw him in that veteran category, okay. yeah, but yeah, yeah. hey, who knows? Right, you know, right, right stay right. tuned. Uh, Lamar Jackson didn't work for a second consecutive day. He has not been officially ruled out, but 
John Harbaugh had said at the outset of the week it's less likely. He called Jackson week to week and said it's less likely this week, and then after that we'll see. But added, not impossible. I think we're going to see Tyler Huntley. Exactly. Um, Some of the other uh, Ravens of note, uh, their outstanding guard, Kevin Zeitler, hasn't practiced yet this week. Knee might be the same thing going on there, just resting a veteran. Um, Ronnie Stanley, tackle, uh, ankle, full participant Wednesday, limited today. That one's really interesting to me. It's not the direction you'd like to see that go if you're Baltimore. No, but boy, he's I mean, if people don't know what Stanley's story, it's kind of interesting. In 2022 or 2020 in November area, they give him a huge contract right around this time of year. Come here to the Steeler game, blows out his ankle and has never been the same for 2 years. <laughs> and now he's trying to get back and he's flirted with it a couple times, but he's never been the same. Was he going to be right and uh No, left. And then Juwan Jones was going to be the... Uh, no, Stanley's a pure left tackle, early pick from Notre Dame. Makari fills in for him. Moses is the the right tackle right now. Um, Juwan James is the guy I'm thinking of. Who's he's also, also at, more of a right. Yeah, so he, yeah, probably, right. he started at left in week one, and then Stanley because, came back yeah. and then got hurt again. They've had four different guys play... McCarty's the best backup, and he kind of is like a Strelzik swing guy. You know, he can play all five spots. But Stanley has yeah. a huge cap hit and was great before he got hurt. McCarty was uh, limited today after not practicing mm. yesterday with a toe. He actually split left tackle in the Denver game last Sunday with Daniel Fa'alele. Yeah. Fa'alele. About 380. The mountain man from Minnesota. <laughs> they, uh, McCarty played 54% of the snaps, and Fa'alele. Forty-seven percent. That's been their only. I wonder if McCart did they go? I didn't notice. Did you? Did did he get hurt and left it's the kind game? Of going or were they just kind of figuring it out? Okay. Yeah. Just... None of them are a true left tackles. Yeah. The only left tackle on the team. That's been their only position up front that uh, has had any sort of uh, change. Right. It, right. 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 It's been a revolving door there. Everybody else left right. Ben Powers, the left guard. Tyler uh, Linderbaum, the rookie, rookie center. Yeah. Zeitler at right guard and Morgan Moses at right tackle. I would assume if uh, Juwan James and Stanley were both healthy, he'd be the odd guy out. But I don't know if James would play over Moses or not, to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, Stanley's a franchise left tackle, but that was two years ago. So uh, we shall uh, see. I, I do know that when Stanley plays this year, Matt, the Ravens are 5 and 1. Oh, really? And when he doesn't play, they're 3 and 3. Okay. He hasn't played particularly well, though. I mean, you can tell this ankle is an issue. That adds up to 8 and 4. Four. Uh, one guy not on the Ravens injury report that I think is still injured is their outstanding tight end, Mark mm. Andrews. And uh, I'll throw some more stats at you here since you're the stat man. Oh, I got some Andrews stats too. Uh, our buddies at NFL Research came up with this little nugget. Uh, Andrews first appeared on an injury report in week seven with a knee injury. Yes, uh, in week, that's when everything changed. In week nine, they added uh, a shoulder injury. Now again, nothing, nothing this week. He is uh, clean and practicing unimpeded, at least according to what the Ravens are passing on to the league. Mm-hmm. But in weeks one through six, Mark Andrews averaged six and a half receptions per game, seventy-five point eight receiving yards per game, and he had five receiving TDs. Since week seven, three point four catches a game, thirty-nine point eight yards, and zero. Touchdowns against Denver. It was four catches for 53 yards on seven targets and no scores. He did draw a uh, defensive pass interference penalty. Well, I don't know if he drew it. He was yeah he interfered, was interfered with, with by yeah. the defense on a ball that well that was going to be a tough catch. It was, Huntley was trying to back shoulder and I think yeah. the defensive back got a little too aggressive. 
That well, was the, the stats I was going to cite, too. I mean, it's been, okay. the season's basically been cut in half for yeah. him, and the second half hasn't gone well. Um, Huntley's been – he's, he's appeared, I think, in six career games. He targets Andrews like crazy. I do think there's some injuries still involved with Andrews that he's trying to fight through. But the other thing is, and this is kind of Steeler-related, he's really their only weapon that anyone fears. Their, their wide receivers have the fewest catches of any wide receiver room in the league. And Andrews is the focal point. They traded Marquise Brown. They were counting on Bateman to be the number one receiver. He's been hurt. He's out. And so everyone focuses on Andrews to a heavy degree. I might put Minka on him a high percentage of the time. Would you? I'm thinking about it. I mean, KZ can be that deep middle guy. That's you know where I was going to go right. with that because what we've seen the last couple of games in Indianapolis with the Jonathan Taylor threat mm-hmm. and then with that Falcon offense, which – all we did was talk about the running game, and then they refused to run the ball in the first uh, they half. Have to be kicking themselves for that. Nice job, yeah. Falcons. Uh, <laughs> right. We saw them running in the second half, but uh, we have seen a lot more single high out of Pittsburgh mm-hmm. and more getting Minka Fitzpatrick down in the box, more getting Terrell, Terrell Edmonds down in yep. the box. That K- big nickel. Yeah. KZ's played some center field. Uh, Edmonds has played a little center field. He's mm-hmm. played a little slot. He's played a little linebacker. But they've gotten a little creative based on the opposition. I would not think this Baltimore attack is dissimilar. Right. To what they've seen from Atlanta and the Colts. Agreed. I mean, it's take away the run first. Um, this tight end is scarier. This is why I brought up the Minka thing. Like, who's the best cover guy I can get on their, their on their number one weapon? You like him better than Edmonds, do you? I think. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I yeah. do too. I, mean, I, I think Edmonds has played right, right. well this year and he done has. a variety of things, but I— Make a special, yeah. If somebody else can cover instead yeah. of him, I'm not opposed to that. And that's the beauty to me of KZ being healthy is this three-safety package. He's fine in the deep middle. He spent a lot of time there with the Falcons and it gives you more versatility. And he can still come up and hit if he has to yeah, and, and yeah. get a guy on the ground. That yeah. might be their best 11 with those three I, out there. You know, I think so. And uh, it's a shame they didn't have uh, KZ for as long as mm-hmm. they did not have him. But, Absolutely. Uh, that's life in the big leagues. Uh, the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank reminds you to sack hunger to get food, volunteer, or donate at pittsburghfoodbank.org. Um couple other stats for you since uh, I went down this road. And uh, these are Steeler-related. Kenny Pickett, his first four starts, weeks four through eight, mm-hmm. just before the bye. One and three record. Steelers averaged 13.2 points per game. He threw two touchdowns and eight picks, and his passer rating was 66.8. Last four games after the bye, three and one, averaging 23.3 points per game, two touchdowns, no picks. And the passer rating is 85.9. Now, this is not all Kenny Pickett, you know, like going on there. They're they're, playing a little different. They're improving across the board offensively. But is that more who they're playing against or just that they're getting it? I mean, it's a factor. I mean, I have respect for the Colts' D. Um, I think the Saints' D is decent. I mean, I think you're not playing with huge deficits on the scoreboard is a a huge key, of course. Um, And certainly slows down the opposing pass rush a little bit. But I think it's pretty clear that Pickett's a better player and maturing than where he was at the beginning of the season, you know. And I'm not making excuses for him early in the year, but he couldn't have been. Those interception numbers are a little misleading. Oh, I yeah, think they're I, mean, I think know, they're very misleading. Yeah. I, don't th- I don't think we hit that point enough. I know. Out of the eight, I'd say at least five of them were circumstantial. Yes, right. I mean, either a, a tip, a hail mary, Claypool Clay- fell down on the one. Yeah. Right. I mean, the one, you know, a couple of them were playing from yeah. a big deficit. I got to really risk this thing, you know. I never looked at him. Garbage like, time at the end of the game in Philly. Hey, right, I'm going right, to try right, to get right. this to Friermuth. Right. And I never looked at Pickett even then and thought, boy, this guy 
doesn't know where to go with the football or is too risky. You know, I mean, it, it was a little bit circumstantial. And, uh, you know, continuing that discussion, uh, that offense has improved dramatically. Now, yeah. still not the greatest show on turf, but right. by Steelers standards, they're way better. I spent a fair amount of time this week trying to find out if there was any sort of incident or development or occurrence that kind of sparked it. Okay. And uh, the answer I got from everybody is no. Um, yeah. Zach Gentry, um, Kenny Pickett, even Matt Canada talked about it today. It's just the, the consensus opinion is gradual maturation and understanding mm-hmm. and better play. I think that's very true. Um, I think the buy came at a good time as well. You know, regroup. Refresh yeah, they needed a, a standing bit. eight count at the bye. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, this this team was in trouble. That was a bad first half. They needed to get in the locker room and figure <laughs> some stuff out. Exactly, exactly. Um, I also think level competition is decreased. That that's helpful. Um, they've been knock on wood quite healthy since the bye as well. I mean, the O lines missed like no time. Um, I don't think it was an addition by subtraction thing, but I do think the Claypool trade it factors in because. You pretty much had the same five out there all the time. And sure, they mixed Gentry in, but now it's a rotation of the Gunners and Sims and Watts and Haywards and those guys all auditioning for future playing time. And again, Claypool's not a bad player, but it was a, a, a shift. And, you know, that strength in numbers thing, you mentioned the tight end position. Mm-hmm. By the way, I, I was surprised. I didn't, this didn't occur to me when I was watching the game, but Zach Gentry played 74% of the snaps in Atlanta. Fryermuth played 55%. It was his lowest. And Fryermuth talked uh, this week about how Gentry is helping him with his blocking, which Mm -hmm. Fryermuth acknowledged needs a lot of work. Sure. But they are running the ball more now, and then you sneak in little Connor Hayward here and there for a a seam route. His snaps are going up a little bit, too. Yeah, 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 they've got a a collection there, and they've got a collection at running back. They do. It was kind of by necessity initially, but all of a sudden, they're staying with it. Have their fresh legs, and yeah, you know, right. I, I, you're gonna like this, but I, I think Hayward should play more and more. I mean, him and Gentry are both tight ends by nature, but they're nothing alike. <laughs> you know, it's just a different package for these guys. My only issue, though, is Fryer moves too good to only be out there 55 percent of the snaps. I, when I was when I saw that, I'm like, did I miss an injury or something? And I asked around Dale and whoever else, and like, no, he just that's just the way that game went. I want him out there all the time. I think he's a star. Yeah, and even you if, you, if you're not going to throw it to him, they're certainly going to notice when he's out there. He's a better blocker than Sims. Um, <laughs> I mean, he might not be the killer. At, you know, he might not be you know Mark Bruner, but he's a, a adequate blocker. Which leads us to Sunday. When I look at that Ravens defense. I the I think you're going to see a lot of five man front, yeah, especially early three down and then the two edge guys standing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's either OA or uh, Houston, Houston at times, yeah. and then on the other side it's uh, Tyus Bowser, mm-hmm. the who's technically a linebacker but he plays more as He's a line edge. of scrimmage yeah, yeah, player. Yeah. And you have Patrick Queen and Roquan Smith in the middle, yeah. And Pretty I like formidable front seven. I yeah. like both of those guys, but I think both of those guys would just as soon move forward. Then backward, yes, agreed. and I think there's a hole on the other side of the backers and in front of the safeties. Okay, and and is that yeah, yeah, yeah. is that Friermuth land? Yeah, it is Friermuth land. I mean, teams are throwing a lot against the Ravens because they're so stout against the run. They do use a variety of D line players at front five. They go three deep with their safeties as well. They're a little yeah. Short. Kyle Hamilton's their nickel. He's their slot now. The right. rookie That's from Notre Dame. So I'm thinking kind of along a Minka-Andrews level, are we going to see a lot of Hamilton on Fryermuth? 
Who that wins that? to me. What's that? Who wins that matchup? I think Fireman's can hang with anybody, but sure body type and athleticism is a, isn't a bad matchup for the Ravens. You know, I would explore that a lot. Firemuth lines in the slot quite a bit. By the way, uh, we mentioned Queen a moment ago. Uh, if you saw a highlight or watched that Ravens-Broncos game Sunday, he got carted off yeah. in the fourth quarter. But uh, he's just been limited this week with a thigh. It looks like he's it sounds okay, like it's a bad bruise. Okay, or relatively yeah, yeah, speaking, yeah. that right. looked it looked bad, and then you mm-hmm. see that cart, and you start thinking, yeah. That's a problem, but uh, he's kind of stepped up this year too. The beginning of his career was pretty rocky, as a lot of these high pedigree linebackers are, and then having Roquan next. I was going to say you might argue that he stepped it up once they got Roquan. Right, right, right. It's a nice pairing because I think that was part of the motivation to get Roquan. Was oh, probably right. We don't. We're not thrilled with Queen. Yeah, right, right, right. Absolutely. We've got a lot more to get to tonight. We are just getting started. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Merrill Hodge, the third member of our team. He will complete our full house backfield. And uh, we're going to start talking about Tyler Huntley, the quarterback we expect to see quarterbacking the Ravens Sunday at Acrisure Stadium. Steelers preview on DVE is brought to you by Unibet. The only thing better than a Steelers win is a Steelers win that pays. Double down on your team with Unibet, proud partner of the Pittsburgh Steelers. With Matt Williamson, I'm Mike Pursuta. You're listening to Steelers preview right here on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE and SNR. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs... Yeah, like check out these hair. Pl- I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. Hey, hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you know have to do that with everyone you meet? Try to act like they. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got him. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Back to the Steelers preview show presented by Unibet on DVE. Welcome back. Mike Pursuta and Matt Williamson with you tonight until 8 o'clock here on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE and SNR. Time now to welcome Merrill Hodge to the program. And uh, Merrill, we have a lot to unpack. Uh, another edition of the Steelers-Ravens rivalry, but uh, some new faces, including uh, a guy we got a glimpse of last year for Baltimore in the regular season finale down in Baltimore. Tyler Huntley, a quarterback. What do you make of this kid? Well, yeah, I guess the, way, the best way to put it is I watched him all when he was in Utah. I mean, in Utah, he was predominantly a runner, um, threw the ball very limited. Um, something that he has developed a little better is he'll throw the ball on time a little better than Lamar. Now, that's just, I just say a little better. You know, he doesn't quite have the arm, or doesn't have the arms of Lamar. He's like a, a low grade version of Lamar Jackson, to be honest with you. He can still hurt you with his legs, but he's not going to. You're not going to spin you around like a top and go 80 on you, um, like like Lamar can do. Uh, I think he really, as you watch him, 
he does want to throw it from the pocket. He's just not the best from there. But he'll make some throws, you know, in a timely fashion that Lamar doesn't make. Um, and here's the one thing is they don't have to change anything. At the end of the day, you know, I, tell, I say all that. If you can't hunt, handle their power O, and I use the power O because that is one of the staple runs. They just do it in a variety of ways. If you can't handle that, you can't handle them. So you got you to gotta handle that. Um, and if you handle that and then you get them uncomfortable um, and then you force them into what their strength is or their weakness, which is the ability to throw the football on a consistent basis, they, they just can't do that. So um, it isn't like you can sleep on him. Um, he, he does some really good things. Um, in fact, I, I think he throws the ball so, so much better now than he ever did at Utah. He's never, I mean, when we used to play, I was like, okay, just, just can't let the kid run because you really want him to throw it because he'll throw it to you. Um, but he'll, he's, he's developed to where he'll throw it a little on time, a little more and a little more consistent than Lamar will. But he still makes mistakes within that. Um, and I go back to that power O and the way they run the football. Like, you can't deal with that. Then you got your hands full. If you can neutralize that, then you really have them in control because now you're going to force them uh, into things that they they they're forced to do when they would rather do when they want to do it. If that makes sense to you, Merrill. When they as passers, the one difference I've really noticed these guys is where they throw the football. Lamar likes to throw between the numbers. He's a lot more vertically inclined. Where Huntley is a lot more sideways stuff. I mean, it, it, you just think that's because he's not quite as good a passer or he's more comfortable. I mean, a lot of short stuff to the, to the flanks. Yeah. I think it's, uh, like, I think his arm strength is a part of that. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no doubt, you know, I, I, you know, arm strength becomes, um, a factor, you know, there's a bunch of things I think are far more important than arm strength. Um, you know, like accuracy. Well, first of all, decision-making is number one. You got to be a quick, good decision-maker within a system on a consistent basis. I'd be able to identify, recognize, and get rid of the football. And then be accurate with your throw and have some anticipation with it and good pocket presence. And then if you're really good at that, you know, then you start looking at degrees of arm strength. And, and here's where, to your point, um, where arm strength does matter. If all of those things are equal with two guys, but one guy just can't push it down the field or outside the numbers, that's going to be a problem eventually in the National Football League. At some point, it's going to be mm-hmm. – I'll take an example for this. It's Tua in Miami, okay? What San Francisco did to him was they really just exposed what his weakness is. He has, if you imagine, a 15-yard square box from the line of scrimmage out to the numbers, then up the inside of the numbers and back in. That 15-yard square box, that is where he is deadly in Alabama, deadly in their system. You force him outside those that box, outside the numbers, and vertically down the field, especially if he has to reset his feet. Fred Warner lives in that box. Well, Fred Warner, and you know, I'll tell you what, here's <laughs> the thing. Not, not, not that we're talking about them, but here, here's kind of an example, you know, of, of what you're talking about that you can clearly um, – I mean, not that their passing game is so lethal like Miami's is in that box, but what the 49ers did, they basically put a majority of their coverage guys in the box – I can't tell you the last time I saw safeties lining up at 10 and 12 yards deep with their speed. Yeah. Like you would normally, they lined field, up about yeah. 10 or 12. All that. And what they did too is they did actually, you know, I think they took a little bit of what Cincinnati and Pittsburgh did to them. You know, the Steelers did a great job of them. You know, they didn't beat them. Well, they gave up 16 points. 
They pressed them. They didn't, they didn't do what everybody else did, give them free access. That's what you don't want to do with those guys. Instead, like a lot of teams, as soon as the ball snapped, they all are bailing. You know, safeties are 15 yard deep. They're trying to get to 25. Linebackers are running these guys. You know, as soon as the ball snapped, they're getting another 10 or 12. Well, shoot, all he's doing is throwing at eight yards right under you. So what 49ers did, they didn't even drop. Their safety stood around 10 and 12 yards. At the snap of the ball, one guy would oftentimes go deep. The rest of them just stood there. They didn't even get back into coverage. Now, you could play some. You know, now, that's a similar concept where you take that area away from him, you know, and you just try to help force him to pump it outside those numbers and down the field. It's a different game, you know, because he, he doesn't throw – he doesn't do that well. Um, it becomes a Hail Mary for him, you know. So that's why you, I think if you look at the pecking order, I go back to if you don't – can't handle their power O and their power running game and all the stuff that they do, um, then it's, you're going to have a long day. But now the Steelers have done well in the past. You know, they've done some schematic things. They've, they've had five linebackers on the field at times. They have a, a package that's handled the Ravens. You know, they understand their running game. You know, they, they've handled it about as good as anybody I, I have seen. Um, and then you neutralize that strength of his passing attack, and, and you have them. Now, that, that's the two things you got to do. That's not easy. You know, their running game is not easy to defend them. So, but that's got to be your, your priorities. Well, who specifically is that designed to attack, Merrill, the power O? What are they trying to do? Well, well I would tell you this. Um, based on formation, they try to get the Steelers. I, I remember talking to their office coordinator, and his name is escaping me right now uh, for the, the Ravens. Um, I, um, I was at Jaws' uh, golf tournament, and I ran into him, and we had a long conversation about their running attack and how they – It's Greg Roman, you know, isn't Roman. it? Yeah, it is Roman. Yeah, Greg Roman. There you go, Greg Roman. You know, and he's just – I mean, he has a great history of been around a lot of – really great minds about the running game you know and he's got a, a good mind in his own because he's now he's created all these things you know like this is now three four you know there's areas that i, I forget a specific you know, this is almost two years ago so the personnel has changed you know there's personnel that he liked to a target you know bubbles he liked to target formations he liked to create so that he could get the look that he wanted um and that's why i think the students have done a good job is they They've changed up those looks. You know, that's why you'll see T.J. Watt stand up sometimes. If you remember a couple of years ago, they had five linebackers on the field into a lot of their packages, their heavy packages. They didn't just line up with the base personnel. They took a DB off and threw five linebackers on the field. Yeah, Highsmith got the interception on a drop in the second half down in Baltimore. Right. So they've they've had, you know, but every, you know, tendencies change. I mean, they're they're pretty consistent as far as – um, the staple runs you're going to see, they just haven't been as good. You know, their runners have been all over the place. They've had a lot of injuries. You know, they haven't really uh, – you know, Denver handled them really well. You know, Denver did a heck of a job shutting down their run. They just couldn't get anything from their offense or enough from their offense, we should say. So, um, uh, it's it, it, the chess match with them, that's what makes the NFL just like – that's why it's pro football. And that's why, like, I don't care what college conference you play in, it's nothing like the national football. I get people saying, what about the SEC? Okay, the SEC, first of all, start with the field. The SEC plays on a different field than the national football league plays on. Right there, I'll start with that. And if you take any SEC team and you want to play NFL rules and bring them to an NFL game, they'll get destroyed. I don't care who you pick. They will get absolutely destroyed. And we'll pick a team that has the worst record in the NFL would destroy you in an NFL environment. Hash marks are narrow. Play games played in the middle. It's not as wide as they are in college. A whole host of things you couldn't even do schematically 
And then when you think about all the coverages and blitzes that you're going to see in just one game, some colleges don't see that an entire year, what goes on in the National Football League. So just the schematics of this, though, and how they match up from a running game perspective is always intriguing, you know, and it's that's why after the game to watch it on tape and see how it unfolds is just always, you know, informative, you know, and, and very interesting to see, you know, you know, the sky and the schemes that worked. And then still at the end of the day, you got to play fundamental football, no matter what. The scheme of it all will be a pivotal run. And the power O is, I keep referring to that, because they do it a bunch of different ways, a bunch of different colors, and a bunch of different looks. And, but that's probably their staple run. Even though they run counter and, you know, inside zone, outside zone, strength, strong side, weak side, they do all those other runs. But that's kind of their, like, this is how we're going to play today. And that's a man's run, too, by the way. I mean, that's teams that run that are committed to running the football. Not many people run a power roll. Yeah, that's, <laughs> not a, that's not something that everybody runs. I mean, especially with Patrick Ricard, a uh, 300-pound fullback. Oh, it's like a guard. You know, that, when, you, when you see 42. Now, 42 brings you to the ball a lot, or the ball's going to – he's going to bring you to the ball eventually, you know, if he's in, in the game. Because there's no doubt. They use him as a puller, too, and, and he's, a, he's a wicked guy. Merrill, let's flip it over. Uh, the Steelers' running game has gotten some traction in the last month or so. Uh, do you expect that continue against a pretty stout front? Listen, I, the Denver actually ran a ball on them pretty well. I mean, that, that's the one thing, actually, they did well. They just couldn't complement it in the passing attack. You know, they, they did have some runs. And I will tell you this from an overall perspective, you had to be happy with how they ran the ball. They just couldn't do anything finish on top of that so it isn't like you can't run on this team um but that go, go that being said the way they have played offensively in the trenches the last say almost three to four weeks the consistency that you have seen there i mean i'm telling you this this should give i mean we talked about it in the morning on on, on the tv morning show um after i got done watching the atlanta game i'm like gosh dang it i mean they're just getting good enough they might do something, you know. And they're, they're, they're playing. The type of, <laughs> that is a ringing right, endorsement. Right, they're yeah, almost ready to do something. There we go. Yeah, so let's go. That, December. What, I'm, what I what I'm doing is like I, I'm watching the entire entire league, so I get to compare it. You know, like what is what are other teams doing that are equivalent to or equal to this team, meaning the Steelers, and is that up to par? Okay, we're pretty. They're getting pretty close. Like I just mentioned, the Denver Broncos. I mean, the erosion of Russell Wilson is almost like it's amazing. mind-boggling to watch it. They, I, I watched him go under center like 90% of the time. They're running heavy formation. They look like he's back in Wisconsin, to be honest with you. <laughs> they're, they're running the football. Then they're trying to run, run action, throws off of it with two-man routes. That's their passing attack. And that's a 50-50 shot if they do that right. When they empty it out, it's a train wreck. That being said – when you see what they're doing from an offensive phase perspective, the passing game has gotten better. Their running game is, is becoming legitimate now. So you have some phases and a lot of different ways you can move the ball and you can win games with. And that's ultimately, I'll give you a great, actually, I think one of the great offenses, offensive stories this far, thus far this season is really the Detroit Lions. They have one of the best offenses in all of football. And their whole foundational purpose from the day um, they started um, a year ago when they brought that staff in 
was we're going to run the football. That's the one thing we were going to do, and we're going to be – and Dan Campbell committed to that. I think there's only been one game since she's been there from year half that they haven't done that. Now, all the compliments – I mean, Jared Goff, I'll tell you this, Jared Goff never played quarterback like he's playing in Detroit right now. All the phases. So, like, they're another team that pops out. Like, they, they could get on a roll, and they could be – they could be in the playoffs in the NFC, okay? Well, you're starting to see with the Steelers on both sides of the ball, like a, a really championship-type team being built, you know, coming around. They're doing all the things and having all the phases that you need to see to truly compete against everybody, you know, not massive weaknesses like we have seen for the first, you know, say eight weeks where there was just, just so many inconsistencies with the offensive line and even, you know, the defense wasn't what where they are right now but as a team i'm telling you they you know they continue to get better they're gonna have to they're gonna have to get better in all these phases that we just mentioned but they're ready to knock on the door you know and i don't know that any of us would have thought that a month ago you know you probably just like listen you just just gotta fight to the finish on this one right i mean well now you might i I would not have thought that a month ago (laughs) i i'm with you i'm just saying you but i'm just telling you the sampling that i've seen um, if they continue to grow, then they got to continue to grow. You know, you can't have any setback. This is not a time to have a setback. This is when you got to continue to grow. Um, any ball as a team, they are going in the right direction. I told you on the DV morning show, I was just like, I swear to you, they went out, they might do it. <laughs> I mean, not win the city. I'm like, they might get the playoffs. I'm like, that's in a month. Two weeks ago, I wouldn't even have thought that. So to follow that up, Merrill, is the offensive line – in place and now you just let it keep growing or are you still looking at some of these guys and wondering if they're going to be playing those positions next year i wouldn't turn my nose up at a left tackle okay <laughs> well now you know well there's, there's true truth on that right tackle struggled too some you know mightily i i don't ever think you predict you make a prediction without with five games left you know a lot of things um could materialize. They're going to materialize. They're, they're going to be, I think there'll be clear clarity after five weeks, you know, of how you feel about that group. Um, you're always trying to upgrade and get better. You know, there's, that's, uh, I remember my rookie year when I was in the locker and well, we were playing 40 hours. That was going to be our first game. I got two players come marching in and they had changed their clutter going out to work them out and they were both running backs. And they're like, well, what are they doing? And they're like, oh, yeah, they're some, I think Mike Wester, I think he said, oh, man, are you kidding me? They're looking for somebody bigger, stronger, faster than you right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Every okay. minute of every day. Oh, yeah. Every day, right. You feel like, like, I'm like, what? I'm like, so like, my, you were so stressful, I can't even tell you. I'm telling you, I was like, oh. I'm like, but, uh, What? I just like didn't could wrap my head around, but that's how it is, though. It's just how it is. Well, that's why you know you you got to play at a high level all the time, be consistent. Yeah. That's the, well, yeah, we certainly would have had a different about. opinion five weeks ago, so we might as well let it play out the last five weeks. Yeah. The yeah. deck, the well, deck shelf. I'll tell you this: they're controlling live scrimmage. Um, they are moving people. They're accounting for people. They're sustaining blocks. I'm. I think we talked about how you sustain a block. That never happened in the first, you know, five to six, seven weeks. And now you're starting to see it on a consistent basis. And they're mauling people. They're, I mean, I'm talking about rolling people out of there, digging people out. Junaje's got to be as happy as can be, you know, that he's finally got 
an option. You know, he's not being, you know, penetration is the number one killer of running game. And that, that kid's fought that probably 70% of the time he's been in the NFL so far. He's starting to get some, some daylight and some running room and the ability to create. And that's very, what he's dynamic at. You know, he's, um, he had a run against the Atlanta game. I'm telling you, you talk about like how you have to be a pro runner, um, helping his blockers. Like when you double team, the, the runner's responsibility is to hold that linebacker onto that double team as long as you can. We call it pressing the hole. You keep him there. Even though there's a hole developing elsewhere, don't vacate that double team until you get to the line of scrimmage, forcing that linebacker to stay there, make it easier on your offensive line. And he's done such a beautiful job of that. But he didn't have that chance to do that. So he's complimenting, you know, his offensive line. And, and when it works together like that, it's, it's, a, it's a powerful thing, and it's hard to defend. And, you know, I, you can sense they're getting a lot of confidence now in that. And uh, if you're doing it, it could be a fun five weeks. Yeah, it's certainly uh, – there's a lot more uh, percolating here than I thought there would be about uh... – Oh, I don't know, middle of October, so I'm, I'm thankful for that. And I am really curious to see what happens on Sunday. Merrill, appreciate it as always. We'll uh, bring you up again next week when hopefully uh, we're talking about the Steelers having won a third game in a row going into Carolina. Hey, man, can't wait. Take care, gentlemen. Always good talking to you. See you guys. Merrill Hodge, man, he gets fired up talking about that running game. But Yeah, uh, right. I, really, the, I, it might be – we're all saying the offensive line's playing better and writing that yeah, the offensive yeah. line's playing better. We might be underselling it. I think so, too. I, I mean, when when the season started, I was petrified that we weren't going to be able to figure out if Trubisky, Pickett, Pickens, Najee are legit players because the blocking might be that bad. You know, they could really derail the season. And on the drive with Dale, we'd often say, if this could be the 23rd best line in the league, I'll take it right now. It's better than that. Yeah, I mean, it's middle of the road at least right now. And, and I guess they might not have stars, but that's okay. Where I was going with the, uh, you know, what about next year projection? Yeah, I know yeah, yeah. You mentioned left tackle, but boy, I'd, I'd sure like to invest those high picks in a corner and corner. an inside linebacker and a young stud defensive lineman. I'd love to get Cam's replacement. I think those are all higher priorities than tackle. I don't know. I mean, I think tackle and corner are my two spots. Yeah. I don't like linebacker in the draft anymore. I'd rather go spend money on that position. Yeah, yeah. I think it's yeah. I mean, there's too many first round, second round busts, or they just take too long. You know, we kind of talked about. No. <laughs> yeah. I mean, who's an example of that? <laughs> <laughs> we got a few more eyes to dot and T's to cross before we get out of here. So keep it here. Uh, this is also the point of the program where I remind you that you can gear up with the latest sideline apparel, hats, or jerseys of your favorite players, authentic memorabilia, custom items, and exclusives you can only find directly from the team at one of the official Steelers Pro Shops. Those are located at Acrisure Stadium, Grove City Premium Outlets, or Tanger Outlets. You can also visit us online at shop.steelers.com. With Matt Williamson, I'm Mike Pursuta. You're listening to Steelers Preview right here on your Steelers flagship 102.5 DVE and SNR. Back to the Steelers Preview Show, presented by Unibet on DVE. Welcome back. Mike Pursuta and Matt Williamson with you until 8 o'clock tonight here on Steelers Preview. Yin's Chat is the Steelers' predictive and trivia game. Answer questions, make picks, and win prizes. Play on your own against Steeler Nation in our new public group or create your very own private group 
and compete against family and friends. You can play against Chad exclusively in the Steelers' official mobile app. Uh, Matt, the uh, over-under for Yins Chat tonight. Pat Fryermuth receiving yards, over-under 55-and-a-half. Mm, pretty good number. We did mention there might be a sweet spot there, but they have a talented rookie that's going to be on him quite a bit. I think his snap count goes up. Uh, I'm going to go over. I think the Steelers throw a little more in this game. I agree, yeah. and I agree. I'm okay. going to go over on both of those. By the way, if I'm looking for – a player prop. Yeah. I haven't seen any of those pop up yet, but um, catches for George Pickens, I'm going over, oh, take, take what, over whatever it too. is because I think uh, that squeaky wheel's going to get some grease. Yeah, and he's just a very talented player. I mean, it can't be in the cards to, you know, w- one catch for two yards. I mean, that's just not going to be not going to cut it. I'm sure he's going to bring it. So, yeah, yeah I'm going to. I've I, seen I this movie before. This is exactly. usually how it ends. Exactly. Uh Maybe the the best stat of the year that just tells you what the NFL is all about this yeah. season. Uh, I want to bounce this off. I started throwing some numbers at you at the start of the show. I'm going to do it here to close things out. The Ravens are the fourth team in NFL history to have had a two-score lead in each of their first 11 games. Which is amazing. Of yeah. a season. Right. The only other people to do it were the 1942 Bears the 2009 New Orleans Saints, and the 2011 Green Bay Packers. Okay. All three of those teams went 11-0 and in those first 11 games yeah. in which they achieved at least a two-score lead at some point. The Ravens went 7-4. and Yeah, amazing, isn't it? They I didn't mean, have a big lead in the Denver game. They've given away, what, three or four double-digit leads this well, year? Three double-digit before two-score leads. Uh Against Miami, they were up 35 to 14 after three, lost 42 to 38. Against Buffalo, they were up 20 to 10 at the half, lost 23 to 20. Against the New York Football Giants, they were up 20 to 10 in the fourth quarter, lost 24 to 21. And against the Jacksonville Jaguars, they were up 19 10 in the fourth quarter, lost 28 27. And what I can't put a finger on is if you told me that with blank slate, I would say. Well, maybe that team just doesn't run the football well enough to close teams out. Or that ain't it. Maybe that team doesn't rush the passer well enough to close teams out. That ain't or it. maybe they have a bad kicker. That ain't <laughs> or it. Bad on special teams. I don't quite know. It's kind of fluky. But uh, I don't look at the Ravens and be like, boy, they should be undefeated. I mean, I no, think they have a lot of holes. You they're, know, they're right. capable but fallible. Like uh, absolutely, like a whole bunch of teams. Yeah. So, I kind of feel like the offense has been crumbling for weeks, let yeah, alone the, I do the too. Lamar thing. Yeah. So what happened Sunday? I, I, First one of 13 wins? Yeah. I really think so. I mean, the Tucker thing is all those games you look at Tucker and be like, I don't want to play against him, but I think I like the Steelers' chances. I kind of do too, and I think, yeah. uh, you know, God help me for saying this, I think Kenny Pickett's the better quarterback. I think so too. I think he was the better quarterback last week. He's better than Matt Ryan too. I think he was better in Indy. <laughs> do we kick it back to – Maybe New- next week against yeah. Carolina too. There you go. Things are changing. Uh, thank you for uh, finding us, however, and wherever you found us tonight. Matt and I, uh, along with Merrill, will be back at it next Thursday as we uh, get you ready for the Steelers at the Carolina Panthers. And uh, until then, uh, for Matt Williamson, for Merrill Hodge, and for IU Jake, our uh, outstanding producer who keeps us on the air and sounding as good as we do. You have been listening to Steelers Preview right here on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE and SNR. I'm Mike Pursuta. Good night, everyone.
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count.